Let's pray. Father, we ask and we say there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion. Every eyes can be healed as we see ourselves in you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. 2 Timothy 3.15. We have work to do. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that as from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And we said that the profitability of the scriptures is as touching um, salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And we said the word scriptures is from the Greek word gapho. It implies that which is written. Why the term holy scriptures is from the Greek word erius grammar. Well, I want us to continue from somewhere. Um, we said, as from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scripture, which is able to make you wise unto salvation, true faith, which is a Christ Jesus. And we started with explaining Christ Jesus. We've explained Christ, we've explained Jesus. We said the word Jesus is from the Greek word, Isios. And we said the word Christ is from the Greek word, Christus. Now, I want to continue from that tangent and... Um, <clears throat> That tangent in um, when I was explaining Christ, and I told you, I said the word Christ refers to an office, right? I mean, if you remember that, that it refers to an office, a function that is that Christ was to die, to be buried, and to be raised from the dead, that is, enter into the glory. And I said it was a Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. I mean, if you remember that, and I said Jesus thought using the term Christ as though he was referring to a third party and this is because the scripture testifies of him Jesus, I'm saying it again now Jesus thought using the word Christ as though he was referring to a third party but this is because the scriptures testify of him now look at in Matthew 16 Matthew 16 verse 16 Matthew 16, verse 16. Matthew 16, verse 16. It says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter called Jesus Christ as revealed from the Scriptures. So remember, we're studying... Christ and we study Jesus. I'm not remember that. If you listen to the last two sections we've done, we, we, we've, we've explained Christ, we've explained Jesus, and we said that um, in the we said that Christ refers to an office, and we said um, Jesus taught the the term using Christ as referring to a third party and all of those things. So now Peter referred or called Jesus the Christ. Remember, what did I say Christ is? I said it refers to an office, right? So, and I said the Christ was to die, to be buried, and to be raised from the dead. So when he said, so look at how Peter said it in verse 16 here. He said, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art what? Christ. Now, 
So what is Peter referring to now? He's referring to that office, right? He's referring to that function, right? So he says, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. So it's vital for us to note something that the synoptic gospel, remember I told you what the synoptic gospel means. Synoptic gospel is matching Mark, Luke, and John, right? Have a central message on the gospel. The synoptic gospel have a central message on the gospel. However, with the peculiar form of communication, so Jesus' teaching, as well as his life, his ministry was majorly documented in those accounts. Like this, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, a lot of Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry, Jesus' activities were documented in that, in, that, um, in that account. So, that's just very vital for you to note. But in the epistles, Paul thought the word using Jesus two twenty-five times. Paul used the word Jesus. Jesus. Now I'm not saying Christ. Jesus two twenty-five times, two hundred and twenty-five times. Paul used that word. Remember, I told you that anytime, anytime you see me using the word, somebody used uh, Paul used the word. Jesus used the word as an unaikaline terminology. I believe. I don't know if he's, he's the one I learned it from, so I don't know um, if he learned it from somewhere else. So, but I, I call it the Onaikaline terminology. Peter, or mm, the writer of the book of Hebrews, has that word, Jesus, 14 times. 14 times. The writer of the book of Hebrews has it 14 times. And um, the book of James has it twice. First and second Peter has it 20 times. First, second, and third John has it 15 times. The book of Jude has it five times. The book of Revelation has it 15 times. And the whole of the Synoptic Gospel has it 630 times at least. Now say it again. The book of in the epistles of Paul, 225 times the word Jesus was used. The book of Hebrews, 14 times. The book of James, twice. First and second Peter, 20 times. First, second and third John, 15 times. The book of Jude, five times. Remember I said, first and second Peter, 20 times. First John to third John, 15 times. The book of Jude, five times. Book of Revelation 15 times. The Synoptic Gospels at least 630 times. So it means that <clears throat> the word Jesus is taught in the epistles, it refers to a person and not a function. You know, you know what I was explaining? I explained that Christ, when you see the word Christ, is a fun, is an office, right? Is a function. So look at how Peter used it in that Matthew 16. He said. Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. So, in your mind now, because of your understanding, when you see thou art Christ, what will he mean? His office. The person who is to die, right? Who is to be buried? Who is to raise again from the third day, right? Now, but the time Jesus, which I just said it was used in all of these times now, the time Jesus does not refer to the office. It is referring to the person, not his function. So when you see Jesus in the epistles now, 
you are looking at the bodily Jesus. You are looking at Jesus of the four Gospels. You are looking at Jesus that walked upon the street of man. Are you seeing it? If it makes sense, let me see your hands. Okay, it doesn't make sense to everybody yet. Okay. Now, we say Christ is his function. When I say Christ is his function, I mean his office. What did Christ come to do? Remember, we studied, we said he came to die, buried, and raised again on the third day. So when I say this is the Christ, the son of the living God, what am I referring to? The man who will die, his office, his function, the man who will die and raise again from the third day. Does that make sense? But now, we are talking about Jesus now on his own. You know, we have separated Jesus and we have separated Christ. How many of you remember? We separated that. Now, when you, use, when you see that word in the epistles, or when you see that word in all of those things we said, all those, um, what did he say? It was used not for the function. It was used for the person. Does that make sense? So when you see Christ now, what will you see? Function, right? But when you see Jesus, what will you see? The person. Does that make sense now? If it makes sense, let me see your hands. All right, cool. So it refers to a person, not his function. So it is a reference in history. So I say it this way. Jesus, so now write this down. I say it this way. Jesus is the person in history who fulfills the prophecy concerning Christ. I'll say it again. Jesus is the person in history who fulfills the prophecy concerning Christ. I want you to think about that. Jesus is the person in history who fulfills the prophecy concerning Christ. Think about it. Jesus is the person in history who fulfills the prophecy concerning what? What is the function? Remember, we have separated Christ as a function, right? So Jesus is that human being who came to fulfill that function. Does it make sense? If it makes sense, let me see your hands. Wait, let me see your hands. All right, cool. So Jesus is the person in history who fulfills the prophecy concerning Christ. So Paul also thought, using that word Jesus more than any other apostle, even though he was not present, Paul was using that word Jesus and he was not even present. He was just using the word Jesus more than every other apostle. So, and it was, you remember Paul was not present with Jesus in the flesh. How many of you know? He was not among the twelve. Okay. So Paul used that word. So now Paul also taught using the word Christ. And remember what, what does Christ mean in the Greek? Christos, right? Now, Paul used that word Christ about 360 to 400 times. About 360 to 400 times. 360 to 400 times. Paul used that word Christos, Christ. Living about 90 to 100 times to other epistles, other epistle writers. And you know, Paul wrote to Todd. So other epistle writers would be Peter, James, John, and Jude. Right? Peter, James, John. Right? I think. Peter, James, John, and Jude. Those are the other epistle writers. Others were Paul. And the writers and the writer of Hebrews. So, so he left about 90 to 100 times for those other ones. So when Jesus was teaching in Luke 24, now let's go to Luke 24. Remember where we are coming from, 2 Timothy 3.15, right? As from a child, that's not the only scripture which is able to make the wise unto salvation, true faith which is in where? 
Christ Jesus. So you see, that's what we are still calling on now. And it's very deliberate. I'm sure in the future you understand why, why, why I do what I do. You might not get in that world. Later you will thank me. and say, ah, oh, I think I get it now. But don't worry, don't worry. Look at Luke 24, verse 48. He says, So when Jesus was teaching here now, he says, And ye are witnesses of these things. So that would mean a crucial interpretation of the Old Testament. Remember, we are still managing the word Old Testament for now. In the nearest future, as we keep studying, we will not be using it in church. We'll just be calling it Genesis to Malachi, or we'll be calling it the scripture, or we'll be calling it, and we'll be calling the four gospels the synoptic. So start getting used to it so that when I come, another day, you know, say I'm an heretic. <laughs> start getting used to it. But we are still managing it for now. In the nearest times, because we'll keep studying more. I will just tell you from today onward, I don't want us to be using the word Old Testament in our church again. <laughs> you know, you will not say, ah, we have but that does not mean you're not when you are teaching your disciple, you say, don't call it Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> we stole it. My spirit will stole it wherever you are teaching. <laughs> Maybe you are teaching a newcomer. I said, No, don't call it to test. Call it. Just call it this clear. I will stole you. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> okay, so now that would mean that a crucial interpretation of the Old Testament writing is to have eyewitness. Now, you know, after Jesus, look at him, look at look at him, verse 46. Look at this Luke 24. It says, and he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus he behold, he behold Christ. You see, he did not use the word Jesus now. Yes, Open your Bible. Guys, see it. Verse 46 in that Luke 24. It says, and thus, and he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus he behold Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. You see, use the word Christ now. What did we say Christ is? A function, right? We say Christ is a function. Christ is, refers to an office. That is, this Christ now, when you see the word Christ now in the scriptures, it is means to die, right? Somebody who is going to die. Somebody who is going to be buried, right? Somebody who is going to raise again from the third day. And I told you that the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah is Christ. So when you see Messiah now in the Old Testament, you will know he's talking about what? That function of somebody who is going to do something. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? Now, and I told you that the word Jesus, I told you last week, I said the word Jesus was used 975 times in the New Testament. And I said, the background of the word Christ refers to eyewitness, that this is humanity. And I told you, now, and, and now, now look at in this Luke 24, verse 48. Look at in this Luke 24. Yes, and here are witnesses of these things. So it means to us that a crucial inter- a crucial part of the interpretation of the Old Testament writings is to have eyewitnesses. So that these people must, what was eyewitness? Evidence. People must see to it and attest to it that okay, this guy came to die. Jesus came to die. Remember, what did we say Jesus is now? We said Jesus is the person. 
who fulfills who? The prophecy of the prophecy concerning Christ, right? Yes, sir. So Jesus is that human being that fulfills that prophecy concerning Christ. Remember, Christ, we have already called Christ a function, right? We've called Christ an office. Is it making sense? Yes, All right. So now, a crucial interpretation of the Old Testament is to have eyewitness. And that leads me to what I told you I wanted to explain to you last week. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. Remember, we are still studying this gospel. So we are not looking at it. Is this not the gospel already? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. Remember, this is just an old... I'm still saying it again. This is just introduction to this series. We've not started this series. We are still we are just introducing this series. <laughs> Everything I'm going to teach you in these sections, in this series, till we are done, is just an introduction. So don't think you have known the gospel yet. <laughs> First Corinthians 15, verse 1 to verse 1 to he says more about virgin I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also ye have received where ye stand by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you unless ye have believed in vain verse 3 for I delivered unto you first of all that we shall also receive how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and now that he was buried according and rose again the third day according to the scriptures now that phrase according to the scriptures is from the greek word katatas graphas now let me spell it for you katatas graphas k-a-t-a t-a-s you can space it k-a-t-a space t-a-s g-r-a F-A-S Katata's graphics According to the scriptures I'll spell it again K-A-T-A Space T-A-S Space G-R-A-F-A-S K-A-T-A Space T-A-S G Space Sorry G-A G-R Sorry A-F-A-S Katata's graphics Did you get it? It means in line with what is written so when you see that word according to the scriptures it means in line with what what is written so it means in line with what is written so when he says i delivered unto you first of all that which i also received how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures i'm telling you in line with what is written so paul did not come and share with them head knowledge he shared with them in line with what was written does that make sense so canada's graphers is like saying something as a manuscript has been written i am just teaching from that manuscript does that make sense so where is it teaching from now let's just say the old testament book the scriptures right so that was what he was teaching from so in line with what is written so he says i received it says 
Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you. Also ye have received where ye stand. So that word receive is translated from the Greek word paralambano. Paralambano. You remember receive is lambano. So this one is paralambano. It says you should have received paralambano. Para and lambano. That's uh, P-R-A, P-R, P-A, sorry. P-A-R-A-L-A-M-B-A-N-O. Paralambano. So when Paul mentioned that he received of the Lord, he was restrained to historical facts. He says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you when you stand, uh, where you uh, stand, where you receive, where you, uh, he says, which you have received, where you stand. So he was, he was making them understand that he receiving of the Lord. Or that received from the Lord is just like an historical fact that this song that was delivered to him like, Via oral traditions and how that Jesus died and that he was buried and how that he rose again. Alright. So remember, I told you just hold this down somewhere. Eyewitness is a crucial part. Hold this down to be useful later. It's a crucial part of that thing. So now in our study of this gospel, in our study of this gospel, we'll be looking at certain details. That is, we'll be looking at the fact of the gospel, we'll be looking at the shatter, the trust. The ministry and the news of the gospel and in subsequent series in subsequent series i'm going to just teach you like the same problem i think that's one of the things i'm going to teach you in the next series our uh, series one this one is just introduction then we'll have this gospel series one same problem because then we'll have to trace it from Genesis. what did man actually do then we'll study another series just the death we'll study another series the fulfillment of the gospel. We study another series, um, um, the resurrection or the ascension to the Father's right hand. We'll study these things and we'll just pick those details out and we'll study. But for this overview, what I'm doing for you in this section is just to give you an overview of what I will still explain in much details later on. Does it make sense? So I'll just give you like intro and intro and overview, introduction and overview to. The details I will pick, I will pick here, let's say like just this date now, it will be an entire series. Sin now will be an entire series. Resurrection now will be an entire series. Ascension to the right hand of the Father will be an entire series. This thing I'm telling you about is humanity, how that they walked on earth, the Jesus function, the Christ, how the Lord prayer, those questions you start the Lord praises and that. It will be an entire series. The hope of the gospel, an entire series. So it's it's a series I've really mapped out to really want to explain. So <laughs> we have work to do. Hallelujah. <laughs> so um, just for the sake of introduction, we can simply say the gospel was preached in a promissory note, um, in a promissory way in the four gospels are fully obeyed and preached in the epistles. We say it's like in a promissory note, like oh I preached to you something you know, so that. You can get a, a bit of it, but it was fully obeyed in the epistle. So the fact of the gospel is driven around certain events, such like the incarnation. We already have a series on incarnation that is ongoing. Actually, incarnation is supposed to be infused in this series. I probably might, maybe later when I change my mind, I might just take, I just call this gospel incarnation. I might title 
I might try to, I might rechange that series that we have on incarnation and just put this gospel and make it incarnation to let you know that it's still all in the same bracket. Are you getting me? I will not be continuing from there. Eh? This gospel incarnation series one, this gospel incarnation series two. Does it make sense? So that you will see that everything I'm still teaching is all in the same one bracket. I think that's what I'm going to do. So that instead of separating it entirely out of context, so that when you want to study this gospel later on, you want to <laughs> you want to buy a big note and say, okay, let me do a diligent study <laughs> on this gospel. You will not leave out incarnation because it's a very crucial part of this gospel. You have to. So, so like I'm explaining again now, <laughs> the the fact of the gospel is 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 woven around certain events. If Christ did not come as a human being, he would actually fulfill redemption. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? So, in fact. Uh, if I change it, what you go change this gospel, <laughs> put it in condition. So <laughs> we would have to, we we'll have to redo this like that, and uh, so that you will not, so that as I'm teaching now, your head now will be going to, oh, I learned this in incarnation. Are you seeing it? I learned, okay. So that's it. So the, the gospel is woven around the incarnation of God, the Word who became flesh, who is called the Son. How God identifies Himself to humanity. What Isaiah said about God with us, and um, in Isaiah 7, verse 14, and all of those things. The gospel is also woven around his humanity. His humanity that you explain in the four gospels. And we're going to study all of these things um, as a series. So, what are, one of the things I'm going to do in this series is just to give you overviews. But um, I think immediately, maybe after we finish the entire overview, which is going to take a while, though, we'll just start immediately on. Maybe the same problem, man. <laughs> we'll just keep going. So, it's roving around his humanity also. It's all about the incarnation, how he was born. He ate, I think I've explained this in the incarnations uh, section. How he ate the food, how he slept as a man. For God never sleeps or slumbers. How he was tempted as a man. God who is never tempted. James 1 verse 13 and all of those things. I was anointed by the Spirit and all of those things. And we're going to study it. Also, it's also roving around his death. Either he died, he was killed, he was crucified. It's roving around his burial. How he was buried, how he rose from the dead. And these events are the facts that have changed humanity. Those events are facts that have changed humanity forever. So, like I said, so the gospel is moving around that event. And one of the things, like I always told, tell you, the church, church is a Bible school, right? It's where you come to learn the scriptures. It's where you come to, to have a full appreciation of God's word. And one of the things is that it's going to make you so strong and confident with your faith in such a way that you can stand confidently and explain and teach the scriptures properly. Hallelujah. So, just, just be able to also, now, we've added that incarnation now to this gospel. So it's not separate now. Have you seen it? So when you when you are look, listening to incarnation now, those eight, I think it's about eight tracks already for now. Because we will soon do another series on that same thing. Explain it. You will notice that everything will all interject together. So I don't want to separate it anymore. I want to put it all together. Does that make sense? So when you are studying this gospel now, you know that you still have incarnation section to study. You have same problem to study. You have this one. You just all pick it all together like that. And the whole entire gospel that we are preaching will make sense. 
Alidi. <laughs> All right. So, the gospel of Christ is the message of the church. Yeah, the gospel of Christ is the message of the church. It was the good news about Christ. You already know that we said the good news is glad tidings, right? Um, we said the, so. It's the good news about Christ. It is not the good news about the incarnation, but the incarnation is necessary, right? It's, it's a, incarnation is like I said, incarnation is part of the gospel and all of those things. But we are not when you say you want to go share the good news, just like we said last week, and we said uh, the gospel is is a good news. The good news is not about his incarnation. No. The good news is also not about the anointing of Jesus, how Jesus was anointed and he went about doing good dealing those that were present of the devil. That's not the good news. The good news is not so about his temptation in his wilderness, where he was tempted and all those. That's not the good news. These, those facts are just foundational facts that accredits to the cause of the gospel, but they are not the good news. Are you getting me? Yes, so they are not the news itself. Look at in John 1 verse 14. It says, He became flesh and he dwelt among us, and we beheld him as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It says that what we gave uh, full of grace and truth. So it was for man to see and behold his humanity. So this is important as it is, and as important as it is, that news about if you go share with somebody and you are not church and you go share with somebody and say, "Oh, uh, I have a message for you," and I want to tell you how that God became a man, that you have not saved the person. You did not give the person the message that saved. Is that news necessary? Yes, it is necessary, but that is not the news that saves a man. Does that make sense? If I tell you God became a man and I give you all the whole incarnation series and all that, like, oh, God became a man and this and that and that, I have not saved the person from his sin. That, that, that alone cannot save the person from sin. Are you seeing? So it was just for man to see that, um, to see and build God's humanity or his humanity, but it is not important as it will not save. In Hebrews 4, verse 15, Hebrews 4 verse 15 it says so you know we're, 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 in, we're in for a long adventure of study you see so we're in for it you're lucky that you you're even here immediately imagine you join when imagine you join the church when we are studying his resurrection you know how many <laughs> how many grants you have to cover <laughs> because um, Hebrews 4 verse 15 it says for we have not an high priest who is touched with, our, with the feelings of our infirmities. It says, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. This is still not the message. So his overcoming temptation is the triumph of his divinity and his humanity, but that is still not the good news. It is rather the witness of his testimony. In Athens verse 38, in Athens verse 38, where he says, in Athens verse 38, so... <laughs> We, we have um, a long route to go in this study. So I beg you, fasten in your seatbelt as you fellowship with us <laughs> and study in this journey with us. I beg you, fasten your seatbelt. Ensure that you are not lost anywhere. Keep listening and keep listening. These are things that you will need to study and you will take exam on. So <laughs> you have to... <laughs> you have to... You have to pay attention. Do you just... Did you just think that um, 
you just learn this something and you just gonna dump it somewhere. You're gonna think <laughs> you're gonna think exams on this <laughs> section. So I am going to write materials through this section. So I beg you, that's how unity your brain work properly now. <laughs> After verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing them that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So, his ministry is worth studying, his works, his healing, his miracles, his ministry. They make him stand out, yet saying that to his soul does not save a man. How many of you know that when you go on outreach and you heal the sick, that has still not saved the person? It is until you preach. That saves, and that's why God is um, God is very generous in the sense that He He makes you heal everybody. You can heal a Muslim, you can heal a Buddhist without even preaching, and they will receive the salvation. Are you getting it? Anticipate, anticipate my series on faith and healing. I'm going to teach that very soon. Um, faith and healing. Just hold on for that series. It's going to happen in the next two months. So, um, <clears throat> so it's. Um, so that does not save a man so the gospel must be witnessed with this incontrovertible fact but the message itself is situated around or within or we can even within three but we can actually say four major events within we can say this death the burial and the resurrection but Look at look at First Corinthians fifteen verse one to four again. First Corinthians fifteen verse one to four. First Corinthians fifteen verse one to four. It says, "Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, wherein ye stand, by which ye have said, if ye keep in memory what I preached." unto you unless you are believing vain for i delivered unto you first of all that which i also receive how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures how that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures so it's saying that around that event is death is burial is resurrection and consequently the ascension to the father's right hand this ascension is is in my syllabus it's something that I, I intend in this series also to just make as a section in this series that okay this gospel let's study his ascension do you get it what does it mean when the bible says he ascended to the father's right hand i think i did about a 30 minutes teaching about 30, about three years ago on explaining that father's right hand i don't know if you listen to that material one time like that i did it when some questions were flying around and yeah they, i think it was you who was asking those questions then and i did a teaching about I think it was both of you that was asking what does the father's right hand mean. Uh, that I had to do a teaching and I sent it to you guys. It was you, okay. So uh, now we're going to expand on that 30 minutes video and the whole series. <laughs> so, so in his death on the cross, we see that. So, something about his death, we see that the unfolding of Yahweh's love or or the very son of God was left to die. So Jesus, the son of God, was left to die. He was left to be crucified and killed, laid bare, naked. He was left to die. Wow. That's that's some that's some something very 
something very crucial. Look at in John 3 verse 16. A very popular text. I believe every, every, every Christian knows the scripture. John 3 verse 16 it says, um, For God so loved His only begotten Son, that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, the giving of Jesus is not the incarnation because God gave him on the cross. I'm saying it again now. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to this. The giving of Jesus is not the incarnation. So, when it says God gave Jesus to us to come and die for us, let me explain what it means. It is not his humanity, it is not the incarnation. So when he says he gave him to die, the preceding this text explains it. Look at it in verse 14 of that St. John 3, verse 14. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, and Paul explains this giving. We are explaining when it says, For God so loved the world that He gave. We are explaining that giving. Look at how Paul explains it in Romans 8. Remember, I've always told you that the epistles are doctrine, right? So that where we learn doctrine from. Look at Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 32. Romans 8, verse 32. Where it says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give him all things? He used that word, give him all things. Look at Romans 6, verse 23. Romans 6, verse 23. He says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, the giving of Jesus is not the incarnation. So when he says, For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life that giving was not the incarnation of oh jesus just appeared that is god giving himself no the giving was he gave him to die that is why he says whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. hope you know if you believe in the humanity of christ you are still not saved yes sir all of you know if you believe just in the incarnation, in the person, how that he walked upon the street of man, you are still not saved. What makes you saved is in the death, in the burial and the resurrection. So when he says, whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have what are you? What is the him you are going to believe in? His death is burial and the resurrection. Does it make sense? Yes, so when he says, for God so loved his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish. How did he, for God so loved his the word that he gave his only begotten son that giving was that he gave him to do what to die does it make sense does it make sense if it makes sense let me see your hands all right so he gave him to pay for the sins to pay for sins and that will only take place by one price and that's death so that giving was that he will pay for sins and that will only happen happen by one price so jesus's death will therefore bear adam's corporal transgression 
Now, Adam offense leads to death. Adam offense led to death. The Savior must die. Now, I'm giving an overview. I think one of the best ways to understand this is I've already done a series on Did We Sin in Anna? Maybe, maybe, I've not decided. Maybe I'm going to add that Did You Sin It to, in Adam 2 to this gospel. <laughs> I've not decided. But maybe. <laughs> I don't want to leave it on its own. So you're not going to think it's something that I think. <laughs> I've not decided. Maybe. So don't, don't touch anything yet. I've not decided yet. But maybe I'm, I'm still going to probably had everything together. Look at it, Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17. Genesis 2, verse 16. You know, as we study and we keep progressing, we keep finding out and discovering more. Look at Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou shalt eat it, thou shalt surely die. So the result of Adam's sin was death. In Romans 5 verse 12, Romans 5 verse 12, so the result of Adam's sin was what? Death. Romans 5 verse 12. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So, if Jesus will suffer for us, now let me explain something to you. Remember, the giving of Jesus is to do what? To come and die, right? Yes. Now, so if Jesus will suffer for us, he will suffer with us and he will suffer like us. Because Adam was the one who transgressed. And the result of Adam's sin was death. So if Jesus will suffer for us, he would suffer with us and will suffer like us. So the state of man would always remain the same if he did not, if if Jesus did not come and fulfill redemption. Does that make sense? The state of man will always remain the same. So God said, sin will bring death. So, you know, a lot of people have thought that this death, um, this death is is the separation of man that is the spirit of man from his body and they describe the deaths in the body and they, they use it to describe physical death look at james 2 verse 26 let me let me let me let me explain some things to you in james 2 verse 26 am i too am i too fast i don't think so james 2 verse 26 he says for the body without the spirit is dead so faith comments Faith, so faith without work is dead also. So, um, it is important for us to know that in the Garden of Eden, man was yet in his body. Man was in his body. So, but if death passed upon all men, as spoken in that Genesis 2, where we read, he must have died. So that means man must have died. But remember, Adam did not die physically, right? So even when they seen that when they when they did something wrong, Adam still did not die physically. But in James two verse twenty six, it says, "For the body without the spirit is dead." So faith without work is dead also. So it means that 
if God referred to, if if death if the death that God referred to was the spirit departing his body, just like an example of Lazarus story, you know, Lazarus story and all of those things after his demise and then the serpent was right. Now I want to I want I want to explain something to you. Remember what did the serpent tell Eve? The serpent told Eve, he said, You will not surely die. How many of you remember? He told Eve, he said, You will not surely die. Now, did Adam actually die physically? Adam did not die physically, right? Now, look at what I'm saying now. If the death that God referred to was his spirit departing his body, you know, when somebody's spirit leaves his body, he's dead. Oh, science student, help me. When, when somebody dies, what happens? What's, what's, what, what's the definition of somebody dying? He's <laughs> dead. There's no life in him. There's no spirit in him. You witnessed people die before. The person is... <laughs> Don't use that. Don't use those pieces of terminology for me. It's not inspired that no, I'm looking for. There is no life in the person. So we can simply say, could we say, now, can I explain it and say, there is no spirit in the person? You're not sure. <laughs> it's okay not to be sure. Okay, let's do a census. If you say if you say somebody dies today now and the spirit has gone, how many of you believe it? So if somebody comes inside and is dying, the spirit has gone, how many of you believe it? You are not sure. Let me see your hand. Spirit has left the person. The spirit has left the person. Let me see. You are not sure. The person is the spirit spirit, the person spirit is gone. Let me see your hand. You are not sure. Let me see your hand. The person's spirit is still alive. Let me see your hand. Now look at something. I told you, I said many people have thought that this death is a separation of man from his body. Because what they describe is death from the body. You know. When we are explaining, we are, we are trying to we are trying to unravel something, and probably this way we will just put a peg on today. We'll continue later on if we if, if if we finally reach a resolve. We said that this death now is a lot of people have actually thought that this death is a separation of man. That is, when I say man now, I mean the spirit of man from his body, and. What they describe is death in the physical body and all of those things. That describes physical death. And we have read it in James 2, 2 verse 26 where it says the spirit without the body is dead and all of those things. But in the garden, man was still in his body. And they said he will die. I don't know if you are thinking. But yet, man did not die physically. He was still in his body. His spirit has not left him. Because the spirit without the body is dead. 
So just to answer you post question on death is actually the spirit without the body. Because James already told us the spirit without the body is dead. Does that make sense? But this is gone. So if death passed upon him as spoken in that Genesis 2, verse 16, then he must have died. Because if he did not die, now think about it. If he did not die, then it means the serpent was right. By saying, you know, the serpent told them and said, You will not surely die. I don't know if you remember. We've, we've seen it that in Genesis. So, if God referred to, if what God was referring to death was his spirit departing his body, and an example is Lazarus, um, all of those things, then the serpent was right because he said, You shall not surely die. But Adam still spoke and lived naturally upon his seed. In fact, he lived for 930 years. And yet, the Bible says, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. But he, you know what the serpent came to say? He came to say that you will not surely die. But you know, if you are looking at it in the eyes of the physical and thinking, uh-uh. Nothing really happened to this guy. This guy is not dying. Their spirit did not leave them. They are still alive. They are still walking. You know? They are still naturally walking. You could see, if you are reading the Bible in the sense, in the realm of the in the realm of your senses and the flesh, you will be also thinking, uh-uh. Adam, the Bible says Adam still will give birth to another child. Did he really die? Physically, no. But yes, he died. So now this is to explain what death. Now. In this series, when I mean this series, now I mean the whole of this entire gospel, you are going to understand what sin means. You are going to have a full understanding. So, when somebody tells you this is sin, you will know, ah, this is what it means. Now, and you understand what death means to us. Now, look at something carefully. Did man actually die? Yes, they did. But was man still living? Yes, man was still living. Physically, Adam even still gave birth. Man was still eating. Man was still doing everything. But yet, man was dead. So, Adam was still speaking. Yet, he lived naturally upon his sin. But Adam surely died. So now, let me explain that to you. Death is a separation, not an extinction. You know, like how Shabaka explained and said, it means expired. No, in the Bible, it means separation, not extinction. So when a man dies in the natural, he departs his body to exist somewhere else, maybe heaven or earth. Who's this study of this thing called heaven and earth? What is this thing? What is fallacy that all of you are having that one day, one day, one day? It's just because of your greediness. One day, one day, one day, one day, you will leave this entire You will rather be eating food that you did not prepare. <laughs> we'll sort, we'll sort out, we'll sort out all this fallacy one day. Now, so when man dies in the natural, he departs from his body to exist somewhere else, either in heaven or hell or all of those things. But he still exists. But he just determines, it's just where he's existing that. <laughs> Is his problem. <laughs> you know, your determination of where you will go now after 
this end. This time is now. <laughs> so it's your problem. Wherever you go after. All I know is me. I'll be at the right hand of the father. We are already we are already seated. But I don't know about you. I don't know about you. So but in the garden, man was separated from God. Man left God's presence. That is exactly what death is. So listen to me, everybody. Death in the physical means that that person is no longer existing, right? Yes. Right? Yeah. The person, the spirit has departed, the person, the person now and exists somewhere else, but the spirit is not in the body. Because he has to have the spirit and a life to be breathing and all of those things, right? You know, the Bible says he breathed life into his being. So the spirit now goes to exist somewhere else, you know, like I explained. But spiritually, what happened in the in the garden was that man ceased, man was separated from God. He stopped existing. I don't know if I'm making sense. He stopped existing. So he left God's presence. He left God's presence. So we can simply say in today's world. That a man without the presence of God in his life is what? Yeah. He's dead. Are you seeing when we explain that thing to people and they say, if you have not believed in God, we don't have life. Are you seeing it? It's because he doesn't what? Have life. Because life is found way in believing the gospel. So are you seeing? Adam rejected life and chose death. But was Adam still living physically? Yes, yes. yes right? So, but was he dead? Yes. yes. Because he was separated from what? From the presence of God. And that we now that action that Adam took will now eventually affect his body. That action he took, that decision he made on rejecting the gospel, on rejecting life, will now eventually affect his body. So, Adam lived now 130 years in his body, but yet he was dead. He was, so physically he was alive, but spiritually he was what? He was dead. So, he was talking to God, but he was talking to God from a distance. Hope you know that an unbeliever can pray and see answers. Oh, you don't know? We'll still study all of these things, though, in the sovereignty of God and all of I don't believe I prayed. That's why you see some people say, I pray to God. They don't believe the gospel. They tell you, I pray to God that I see answers. So why should I believe the gospel? I prayed yesterday and God answered me today. Because I've told you before, the same rain that falls on the righteous is the same rain that falls on the unrighteous. God is so is good to all man. <laughs> we study so. Adam was talking to God, but yet he was talking from a distance. He was hearing God, but hearing God from a distance. That's why Paul now taught it. Remember, Epistle is only his doctrine. Paul now taught us in Ephesians 2, verse 1. Now, Ephesians 2, verse 1, that we used to read now would make sense. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. Are you, are you understanding it? Hope I've not lost anybody. All right, good. Ephesians 2, verse 1. I hope that this series will be able to help you 
have a good and better appraisal of the gospel. I pray. I pray so for everyone of you and those that will listen to this. Amen. Ephesians 2 verse 1. It says, and you are too quickened. Who were dead in what? Trespasses and sins. Now, who are those people now? Unbelievers. Are you seeing it? Now, in essence, we're in time past. You walk according to the cause of this word. Now, this was your state before you got born again. <laughs> according to the cause of this word, according to the priest of the power of the year, the spirit that now walketh to the children of the disobedience, verse 3, among whom we all had our conversations in time past, in the loss of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as unto others. So, are you seeing it? So, they were dead, but walking. So, a man not born again today is a dead man walking, he's a dead man talking. He is dead towards God, but alive towards sin. <laughs> Are you seeing it? He is dead towards God, but alive towards sin. So, see, Adam finally observed his state. Adam observed his state. Adam knew his state later on. I'd see Adam's observation of his state because when he had said, when he gave it to said, he also like, ah, he now knew what has happened. Look at Genesis 5 verse 3. Genesis 5 verse 3. Remember, we are studying this gospel, right? This is just an overview. So don't get lost. This is just an overview. <laughs> Genesis 5 verse 3. He says, another lived 130 years. Now, this is... So... Now... I don't know if... You know... I, I don't know if I should say this. I'd rather not say this. So that I don't get you thinking. Now he says, another lived 130 years and begat a son and his own a son in his own likeness after his image. Look at what he used. He said, after his image and called him Seth. He better son after his own fallen image. His fallen image now is a death image. A sinful nature, a death image. So when he says, you know, he says, he lived on and begat him after his own, that is, after Adam. And he named him Seth. Now, look at it. Look at it in verse 4. He says, And in the days of Adam, after he has begotten Seth, the 800 years after he begot sons and daughters. And look at it in verse 6. And Adam and Seth lived an 105 years and begat Enosh. Now, Enosh means captive. Captive. And slave of death. Yes, that's what Enosh means. Slave. So, it's just like saying, he has finally discovered, they discovered their state that, ah, we are indeed dead. So, you, you are now a slave of death. <laughs> so, Enosh means captive as slave. So, it was a discovery. So, as they were growing, they were finding, ah, we are actually dead, though. <laughs> <laughs> but they were still alive but they were feeling every things have started changing you know many some years ago I taught you understanding Genesis and I taught you and I said the sin of the world the sin of Adam affected the entire world and I told you and I showed you that was some years ago and I showed you I said in, as a result of Adam's sin Adam's sin affected <laughs> the deep things of this entire head it changed the cause of so imagine as they are green, they are waking up every morning, they are saying that ah, something has collapsed, earthquake is happening. This is ah, we are actually really dead. 
<laughs> so, when he knows was to give birth, when saying, ah, you are a slave of this, <laughs> he named it captive. Are you seeing it? Look at the Romans 5 verse 14. So, it was a discovery. Romans 5 verse 14. Now, if you have listened to the doing scene in Adam now, this will make this series will be making more sense. If you, if you, if you didn't sleep when I was teaching that series, then people like people, I just needed to put your name on the record book. If you're not dozing and sleeping, then you will not you will not be struggling with this. And imagine some of you are even struggling to stay awake in this series. I believe this is the this is the power of your this is actually the redefinition of they followed you. <laughs> you slept in the dressing in Adam. You dozed up in incarnation. You are still trying to doze up. <laughs> in this gospel, it shows that they are really Adam's sin is still battling you. <laughs> you might be born again, but yet maybe you are not really born again, born again. The sin is still having hold on you. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Look at Romans 5 verse 14. It says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that have not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him to come. Again, this is the sin in Adam. This will make sense to you. I think it will make sense now. It says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that has not seen after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him to come. So, remember I said, death is a separation of man from God. Right? How many of you agree that now? Because that man is still alive. He's just only separated from God. So, Jesus would have to taste death to pay for man. Because people can ask you questions of, ah, what, are we the one that's you know, I used to teach you something. We used to jokingly say something, and we used to say, if somebody asks you, I say, why is Jesus God? Say it's because of me. Obviously. If they ask you who killed Jesus, I did. He had to come and taste the death for me. He was sinless. So now, because you could have people ask you questions that what did I do wrong? We're gonna get there. Hold on. So, that is a separation from man from God. Jesus would have to face death to pay for man. So, his death force was not limited to the separation of the spirit from the body. That, so, now, listen. Remember we said death is separation from God too, right? Jesus too, we have to go through that separation from God. It has to be the same. Adam was separated from God, right? Yes, sir. Guys, right? Yes, sir. Jesus too, we have to go through that separation from God. His death was for us. He must. So, Jesus must be separated from God. He must. He's not even will. If Adam was Remember, Jesus has to be because he's coming to, it's like saying, cancel, cancel. He's coming to retrieve what was lost or redo what was damaged. It's not like saying, this light now was spoiled. You know, it's like saying we call the electrician. 
and the electrician said we can't fix it, we have to go to the company that bought it for The company will now go back to their stuff and say, that's exactly what happened. Adam messed up. Jesus is coming to clean that mess. And with that mess is coming to clean, Jesus has to taste everything that Adam tastes to do it. That was why, remember I said, he must be separated from God. That was why in Matthew 27 verse 46, now I'm sure you, 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 you some of you have been reading this text, but you don't really understand it. You're going to understand it now. Matthew 27 verse 46, look at what happened on the cross. Matthew 27 verse 46. Matthew 27 verse 46. Open, open, open. It's going to make sense now. Matthew 27 verse 46. It says, and about the night hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. This is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, you know, some of you will be asking, But he is God. Why is he shouting? Why is he also shouting in this place? No. Remember, look at the journey we are coming from in our explanation. We said, Jesus is that who? Person who will fulfill the prophecy concerning Christ. Now, this is Jesus speaking. They said, he, and he cried out, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's to tell you now at this point that Jesus is dead. This is to tell you that Jesus' death did not happen physically. So when he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can we call that separation from God? If you agree, let me see your hands. Wait, let me see. Can we call that separation from God? Now, because God has abandoned his son here, and he's now crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God has abandoned his son. They were already separated. Jesus was lamenting. So what was Jesus doing here? Jesus was lamenting, and Jesus was declaring his state. So Jesus was dead now, but speaking. Adam. Adam died in the in, in the garden, but yet Adam was still talking. Adam was still talking to God and still saying, um, he's the wife, but yet he was that he was dead. <laughs> he was still saying, it's the wife you gave me that, that caused this. But yes, he was already dead. Because he has already rejected the gospel. Are you seeing it? So Jesus was already Jesus has already accepted his state now and already saying. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And Jesus has already died. He was declaring his status. So he was dead on the cross. He was now quoting scriptures. He came to fulfill it. He came to fulfill the scripture. And now, and David has foreseen this. Now, within, now, somebody will, this just, this just an appraiser. Was did David know that someday Jesus will come and use his statement? David does might not really know. I'm giving you a, I'm giving you a true story of the scriptures now. David was only lamenting his own state. What was happening to him? Look at him in Psalm 22, verse 1. David was just <laughs> like David was just going through his own problem and was declaring his own state. In Psalm 22, verse 1. Look at it. Look at Psalm 22, verse 1. It says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Are you seeing it? I, when, so when, when I tell you that all of these things are written in the scriptures, 
Are you seeing it now? Since my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Why art thou far from helping me and from the words of my word? Now, see, guys, David might just be going through his own problem here. He might not even know whether it is Jesus that is coming. He is just writing his own trouble. But Jesus speaks David's word because it is written in the scripture that I have come to fulfill what was written. Because it's already written. And don't forget, look at where we started from. All scriptures are inspired. Are you seeing why the necessary? Are you seeing why we used to use our introduction now? Remember, we said in 2 Timothy 3 15. As for we tried, you have known the Holy Spirit, you are able to make you wise of the salvation. True faith is the Christ. And all scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, who inspired David to put this down? Are you seeing it? So because Jesus is still going to need it someday. Are you seeing it now? So all of those people on the scene. Now let's go back to Jesus' time now. Go back to your Matthew 27 verse 46. Are you getting this? Look at Matthew 27 verse 46. Are you seeing that Bible study is interesting? Yes, sir. Is it very interesting? Yeah, so next week Saturday is going to be interesting. Yes, sir. I know people will never say yes. <laughs> so all of those people had the scene were done for them. They never saw what was happening. They don't know. Remember, it will take place in the spirit. So to unveil, it will take place in the spirit to unveil this event and to explain it's relevant to us. So when the spirit came, he showed us the reality of Jesus' Christ. Now, remember I used to tell you the epistles always explain things to us, right? Remember, I used to tell you that epistles is the doctrine, he explains everything to us. So now the spirit of the truth in the epistle plainly explain the cross to us. So, you know, what happened on the cross was Jesus lamenting and Jesus declaring his state, right? So you see, Adam has died, right? Guys, I'm trying to refresh you now. Adam has died, but yet he was talking. And I told you that for Jesus to come and do the same, Jesus to come and correct it, he will have to go through what Adam went through. And we said Adam went through separation from God, right? So that separation from God, eh? Jesus was now declaring his state. So when you see Jesus saying, my God, my God, why has that forsaken me? What does that mean? He's already, he, so something has already happened to Jesus. So are you seeing that? That's death now that we say, Jesus died. Jesus was buried. It's not a physical thing. Yes, sir. Have you seen it? That that thing that we say, Jesus died, Jesus was buried. Because somebody will ask you, a logical person will ask you, I say, how did somebody just die? Pay the price. Yes, sir. Is it making sense? Because somebody will ask you, how are you saying, he just died? He just closed his eyes, then he wake up. But are you saying that he has already died on that cross even before the physical death? death. death. Are you seeing it? So he was a dead man, or yes, speaking, just like what happened to Adam. Right? Yes, right? Alright. Now look at how the epistles explained it to us. Galatians 3, verse 13. I beg you, this is not the time to sleep or doze or <laughs> we've not even gone anywhere. We just we are just testing the water. So this is just a prelude into the entire series. Into the entire this gospel series. 
Don't touch that dial. Like, I remember when we were younger, when they used to listen to radio, they would say, Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Leave it there. We are still we are still ongoing. <laughs> the station is still ongoing. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Alright, look at Galatians 3, verse 13. Look at how Paul we explained it. We explained it to us. Remember, doc- episodes are always doctrine, right? Look at is this. Look at the verse 13, Galatians 3, verse 13. Are you there? I hope I want you to see it yourself. He says, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. Be made a cause for us. For it is written, cause is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, that tree means a cross. So Jesus has already become a cause thing. Now, where did where is Paul quoting from? So that you don't think Paul was writing anything abstract. Look at Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. I'm showing you that the Old Testament now you can teach successfully from it. This thing you call over there. Look at Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. Are you there? Yes, sir. Are you there? Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. So, so, so you see where Paul saw the revelation. He says, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree. So, you, are you seeing why they, they have to take Jesus? body away he says his body will not remain all night but thou shalt remain but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day for is for he that is hanged is a cost of god are you seeing it and that land will be infidel and the lord has given it for you he says he that is caused is what he that is hanged is already what cost of so are you seeing that paul saw some so what was happening to Jesus on the cross, Paul was seeing it in the spirit in, the, in reading the, the Old Testament. Now, you know, when we say Old Testament, now we mean scripture. So that one day, now when I start saying scripture, you will not be saying, ah, but I'm just giving you this out. Now, so Paul saw it there. So the spirit showed him the cause in the garden was on him. So the cause of man, of humanity, was already laid on Jesus. So when Jesus was saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, he was declaring his state. He was declaring his reality. What we used to say is reality. <laughs> Jesus was declaring it. Are you seeing it? He has become a costing. Because now, he is already separated from God. Are you seeing it? So can we simply say, a man who is cost is a man who has not believed because uh, we will say that later. <laughs> So, but here is the difference. In the garden, man moved from God. Now, let me show you the difference now. In the garden, man moved from God. It was man that rejected God and left. But on the cross, it was God that moved from man. I'll explain it again. In the garden, it was Adam that took his leg and said, I'm not believing the gospel. I'm going. Are you getting it? But on the cross, it was God who said, I'm leaving you. Face why you came. Are you seeing it? God left Christ. God left Jesus to fulfill that redemption. Ah, guys, is it making sense? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, God called out for man in the garden. Man called out for God on the cross. Now, you see why incarnation teaching now will make sense. Are you seeing so you see why it's supposed to be part of this series now? It should. 
So man, when I say man, I mean the man Christ Jesus. Now I mean the man Jesus, his son. Are you seeing the person? Remember, I've explained Christ. I've explained Jesus. Jesus now is who? That person, right? So Jesus called out for God on the cross. So the former was man enjoying the penalty for sin and the later is substitution. So when we say substitution, it means you came to replace something. You came to substitute for this. While Adam was man enduring his penalty for sin. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. It will make sense now. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. It says, For he hath made him to be seen for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Are you seeing it? So he made him to be seen. Who knew? You know, Christ was sinless. Jesus was sinless, right? But he now became sin. Where did he become sin? On that cross. Are you seeing? He became a costing. It became sin for us, only in those sins, so that we, you and I, will be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So on the cross, Jesus became sin for us. Look at in Isaiah 53. Look at, look at Isaiah 53, verse 3 to Isaiah 53, verse 3 to 6. It says, He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrow and acquitted with grief. And we hid it as it, as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our grief and carried our, sor- carried our sorrow. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripe we we are healed. He says, and all sheep have gone, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So God puts man's iniquity on his son. God puts man's iniquity on his son. It must bear the grief. He must bear the sorrow. He must bear the travails of man iniquity. He must be abandoned. He must be separated from God, his father. So, you see that this is not a physical death now. This is spiritual. So, for three days and three nights, he must be without God. He was not... So, you see, he was not cast out. Jesus was not cast out from the presence of God like Adam. Are you seeing it now? He was... God's presence, God's presence left him for our sake. It was God's presence that left Jesus for our sake. But Adam was, Adam decided to leave the presence. Are you seeing it? But this one is a problem of, I will take my presence of you so that you will fulfill what I, what you came to do. Are you seeing it? Alright. So just like Adam, he died. Then, in his body, he now died. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing that? What happened to Adam after 9 30 years by him dying physically was as a function of what has happened in the spirit. Guys, are you seeing? So you see that man should not even be dying. But there's something that people say that life is spiritual, that what happens 
in the spiritual will eventually happen in the physical. This is as a result of death. So if Adam has not died physically now, he probably will not have died physically. It's not even probably. He will not have died physically. So that was what happened too on the cross. Jesus has already died physically, uh, spiritually. Then that was why he could easily give up the ghost because he has already died. So it's natural for him to just die physically at that point. Is it making sense? All right. So he would have to die first before he could die physically. Then before his body, then leave his body physically. Are you seeing it? So this death happened on the cross hours before his body died. Are you seeing it? Because it is a cost is a man that hand get on the cross. Are you see? Are you see the benefit of this thing called cross? Cost is that man that hand gets there. So he will bear the iniquity and sin. So he will have to, So remember, he has to die first before he could die physically. Then leave his body physically. His death happened on the cross hours before his death. So look at in John 1 verse 29. John 1 verse 29. John 1 verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh the sin of the world. So on the cross is the Lamb of Jehovah. is the Lamb of God. So are you seeing that? Now, Back to our good news now. I used to that the good news of the cross is very intriguing in the sense that another man's pain now becomes our pain. You know, you and I did not pass through what Jesus passed through. Another man's cry, his cry now became our joy. And there's this song. Um, there's this song. Um, because Jesus did it all, he did it all for me. Son of God, he died in my stead. He died, he rose, he died in my bed. He rose again, he lives in me. He did it all for me. Jesus gave it all. Something like that, yeah. So his cry is our joy. His sorrow is our triumph. His wound is our health. So he's in the place of healing in the sense that his wound by his stripes we are healed. So one thing about salvation is you can naturally be healed. In the sense that he has taken that pain. He has borne our sorrows. Glory to God. Glory to God. So another man's pain is our joy. <laughs> so we can simply say, we can simply sing a song and say, his pain is our joy. His sorrow is our triumph. Hallelujah. God. His wound is our health. I don't know if you get it. His wound is our health. So he has taken our place. That is exactly what we call good news. Are you see what is called good news? So is his good news about his humanity now? No. His good news is about the function, what he did. So that we might fake. So that is the good news. That we might fake his place. So God abandoned him. So that he will not abandon. So you see where he says. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know why we can safely say it now today? Because he has taken our place. God has left him at some point. God has abandoned him. Today, he lives in us forever. But you know, as sat on the cross, God was not with him. 
again. But today, you and I can never have that experience of a, of a moment where God will not be with us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I love and with you always, even until the end of the earth. I remember many years ago, I used to watch Emmanuel TV and I used to hear them say this thing, this statement. I didn't understand. I was still a child. I was not a child, but I was and I just used to watch that TV and I used to, they would just say, and lo, and Jesus said, lo, I am with you all. This statement used to look sweet. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And lo, they would not be using it to sing and they, that thing just is to have a, have a, sweet thing that it does to me. But as I grow, I'm now understanding that statement. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So he has, he was abandoned so that we will never be abandoned. He put all of the sin of Jesus to bear the consequences. Hence, never again will we bear them. We can never bear those sins again. Look at in Colossians 2 verse 4. Colossians 2 verse 4. Are you seeing that what God did in Christ is a lot? And we will have to keep studying. There's a lot of things that God did in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 4, it says, Unless, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with the enticing words. So, this is the truth of the Father. So, all judgment is on him now. Justice is method out to holy being. All holy men cannot have access to God on his merit. And only men can just walk up to you. It's just like you. You were once a sinner before and you just said, Lord, save me. And he said, he heard you. And only men now have access to God. On God's merit, not your own merit. So it's not on your cries or again, or your tears. You see why your tears can't save you? Or your, Lord, please forgive me. It's on his own merit. Romans 5, verse 8 to 10. Romans 5, verse 8 to 10. Romans 5. He says, But God commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Hallelujah. He says, He says, Much more, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the rot through him. Ah, yeah. I am saved from rot. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by what? His life. So it was for us. So the full story of man's redemption does not end on the cross. No. So you see why we have to study the resurrection, the ascension, all of this. It does not end on the cross. Christ must stand in man's place to meet eternity's demand. He must suffer three days and three nights. That's why on the cross, we heard him say it is finished. John 19 verse 30. He said it is finished. It is imperative because it means that we must put the scripture side to understand what his redemptive work means. Now look at, let's read from the lips of Jesus because we want to patiently study some things and we'll, we'll just touch a few things and we'll pick it up from here um, tomorrow. Look at Matthew, Matthew 12, So, because when he says it is finished, he was not referring to his redemptive work. When he says it is finished, 
I want you to understand that when Jesus said it was finished on the cross, he was not referring to his redemptive work. I'm coming, to, I'm coming, so that you will not go and mix it up. Look at in Matthew 12, verse 40. It is as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so that the Son of Man being be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Look at Luke 24, verse 25 to 27. Luke 24, verse 25 to 27. Because if he says it is finished, that means the redemptive work is finished. It means that he will not enter his glory on the third day now. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Luke 24, verse 25 to 29. Look at what he says. He says, And he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophet has spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things that to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. And the junior, so now, he says, Up not Christ to have suffered this and enter into this glory. So now, that's to tell you that after even the third day, there's still a work going on. So, and he said it is finished on the cross. That is not referring to him finishing the work of redemption. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Yes, sir. Are you seeing it? So, when he says it's finished, it's not referring to his redemptive work. Are you getting me? Yes, sir. Does it make sense? Because if he says it is finished on the cross, don't forget that's just one. He has not been buried though. As a when he as a when he said it is finished, he has not even rose again. That's not even yet three days and three nights yet. And he said he's finished. So that can't be the redemptive work. Does it make sense? Yes, Wait, does it make sense? Yes, so when is so don't let anybody bamboozle you and don't use that word of Jesus said it is finished. I've used it to preach too many years ago. And he said it is finished. It means our souls are finished. It means that ah. You. So remember, he must be a man's separation for three days and three nights. He must go to where sinners go. He must be. So why why is he doing it? He must be fully identified with man in the present. So he came to because Adam was a human being, right? Now see why the incarnation is important. Adam was human being, right? Flesh and blood. So he has to come in and say flesh and blood. Are you seeing it? Adam died physically, spiritually, right? He has to die spiritually. Adam died physically too and went somewhere. He has to go there. He has to be fully identified with man. Are you seeing it? Both in the present and the afterlife to finish this work. Now, see the reason for the incarnation. You see why God did not come as a spirit? Because Adam was not a spirit. Are you seeing it? Adam was flesh and blood. So Jesus had to come that same way. Adam died spiritually, right? Jesus died spiritually. Did Adam die physically too? Adam died, Jesus died physically. Where did Adam go to? Jesus has to go there. He has to be fully identified with man. There was one series I started, but I didn't finish it last year. Who made it? I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it. I wish I did. I would have just directed you people to that, to that series again. I just did not. For some reason, we couldn't just finish it. I don't know why. But don't worry, we'll restart it again. So, you must be fully identified with man in the presence and the afterlife. So, just as in the killing of the spotless animal and the day of atonement and all of those things, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is just the only beginning. So, just like how they took blood of animals and all of those things and taking before the law, before God under the law, and the cross of Jesus and all of those things, that's what will happen too. They will take his blood and his blood will have to be shed for us. 
So all the demands has to be met. All the demands are met. Because only at this point will Jesus' blood be offered. So, like I said again, as the blood of animals must be taken, before God under the law, on the cross of Jesus, so on the cross of Jesus was slain, God has left him and will do so until all the demands are met. So, even when he went to hell, he went alone. He didn't go without, he went without the presence of God. Because all the demands has to be what? Has to be met. So, only at this point will Jesus' blood be offered. So, a lot lies in the event of the gospel. So, the separation of God from Jesus provided legal grounds for the reconciliation of man with God. The separation of God from Jesus provided legal grounds. So, we can simply see it was a legal sac- sacrifice. For the separation of for the reconciliation of man with God. So for the so remember I told you so the, this so this gospel now the gospel we preach is wrapped around what happened from the cross to the grave. This this book by EWK, what happened from the cross to the throne or something. This is such a beautiful book. From the place to the dead, that is Hades, hell, or all of those things, and the resurrection onward, and the ascension to the throne. The gospel will be wrapped around that. But don't forget, Jesus will have to spend three days and three nights in that place of the dead. He will have to go and identify with man. Then with him identifying with man, he would now, remember, he went. He also went to hell without the presence of God because the presence of God was not with him before he died. Remember, that's when he lamented, right? Then from there, he will be able to fulfill everything he needs to fulfill for man. So you see that this gospel that we preach can't be about oh Jesus came to walk upon this earth. Can't be about miracles. Can't be about can't be about prosperity. Get some like that. Get which get which scheme or something. Can't be about. It has to be about the event of what. So you see that people who don't preach. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. They are doing so much injustice. I use that it's even a sin not to even be preaching this thing. Because it's like it's like saying he came to die in vain. I don't understand what I don't know. I don't understand. When we are not preaching the truth of the gospel, it's like, so why did I not come to die? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So why did Jesus come to die? Why did he have to sacrifice? There's something we'll study maybe next week or tomorrow on he became poor for our sake. Are you getting it? We'll, ne- we'll now explain what his poor or his poverty means. So, a whole lot. And that's what this series is going to be all about. Don't forget, we are just doing an overview into our endless journey. Our endless encounter and journey. That will be approaching as the years go by. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> get fasten your seatbelt. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> it's about to be a good ride. But did you get something today, right? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. <laughs>